Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. NBA Intel has returned. Been out for a minute, been out for over a month, but we're back to talk about some NBA hoop topics. I'm your regular host, Kim Bui with my co-host, Clement Gibson. But before we dive into the basketball aspect, man, just want to ask my man, Clement, man, how's life been? Let's, let's catch up on life a little bit before we dive into the sports aspect. How's everything been on your end, my, my man? I know you're still up in New York doing your thing how's that been so far with you and your, you and your young lady man everything's good man the young lady's good she's sitting over here to the right of me um oh, biggest update i'd say on my end uh, actually had to have surgery i tore my lateral meniscus for a second time um this happened while i was in college playing basketball but um been like nine years time they think that um it's it's kind of uh degenerated like my meniscus but funny story is i was actually watching a WNBA game uh sabrina nescu versus uh in the new york uh, liberty versus the aces and i mean she was going off right i'm talking like i think she had like four threes in the in the first half and it was like three in a row at one point. And I'm sitting on the couch. I'm like, oh, crap, she going crazy. And, like, I stretch a certain way. And I, ooh, this feels a little weird. And usually I can extend my knee. It, like, it'll lock up on me when I feel that pop. And then I can extend it, and it's cool. But, man, I tried to extend it for, like, the next six hours or so. And it was not budging, bro. So, I was hopping around on my left foot all day, and I was like, all right, I got to go to the doctor. And I was I was like, man, I, I hope they say I don't have to have surgery because my old roommate just got married in Cancun last weekend, and we've been, me and my girl have been prepping for this trip for the longest, yeah. and we have, um, I had to have surgery on Tuesday. So, But in per, putting it in perspective, like, it's been nine years since this happened, um, so just looking back at everything I've been able to accomplish in those nine years and obviously young and active, still in good health. Um, just happy that my recovery is going good. Um, work's been good, you know, so can't complain, but you know, ups and downs of life, but you know, I'm looking forward to getting back on my feet for sure. And talking hoops with my man, this is going to make yeah. my, you know, my recovery too. So yeah, I appreciate jumping on the pod. But what's up with you? What's going on? Man, uh, life, bro. It's been a lot. A lot has happened uh, in the past few months. Uh, you know, officially in Memphis. I've been in Memphis for about two months now. Yeah. Getting acclimated with the city. Um, it's been it's been good. Uh with the Daily Memphian, general assignment reporter, breaking news reporter as well. Started to dabble a little bit in the sports too on that side. Uh, I think a couple of days ago I was covering Memphis University's women's soccer team. Um, they had a soccer game right. against Ohio State. Uh, they dominated six to one. So, um, got to be a part of that. Uh, see how they get down. Interview the coach after. Wrote a recap. Um, wrote a feature story on their best player who's in the running for the soccer award. That's a big deal in the nation. So, um, just you know, getting acclimated into that. Uh, wrote a wrote a piece about. The Southern Heritage Classic, you know, Jackson State, we both, so obviously we're not oh, yeah, more, but yeah, yeah. UAPB, they're going to be a part of it, so I wrote it on from their angle, 
And it looks like I'm probably going to cover the game, too. So I'm going to potentially be at the game covering that as well. So work's been good. Um, and then obviously, you know, my wife, she's about to be three months pregnant. So um, mm-hmm. the work aspect has been good. You know, the child's been on the way. So I've been having to work, make sure she's good, take care of my lady. Uh, while having enough free time on my own to kind of chill and uh, see what everything's going on in the sports world. So like like you've been like you said, yeah. bro, I just been waiting to get back on the pod, man. Just been so busy with a lot of things yeah. like the move, work, um, my lady and all that. But I think, you know, we're going to have a loose schedule to continue this. Sure. Um, my uh, boss has said I could continue to do this. So that's great. So, um, man, we're going to be talking hoops, bro. We're going to be talking hoops, which um, is going to be a dope experience because I think this upcoming NBA season is going to be it's gonna be incredible. So, can't wait to see what happens. For sure, man. And, and shout out to you and your girl for the baby on the way. Uh, yeah. Praying for a healthy, healthy child and adding to the after-whistle thing we already have. Of course, of course, man. I know, you know, Ace already got his kid, so mine on the way to junior. I, know. I, I, know hope, I, I, I hope it's a junior because, you know, we got two girls now. Ace got the girl. Darius got a girl. He, he's right. Boy. All right. So yeah. I know. I'm hoping I know. for a, a junior. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll know soon enough, but... Let's get let's get dive into these topics, bro. The big one we've been hearing about this the past few weeks: James Harden and the 76ers. They're in a stalemate. So on June 28, Harden opted into the final year of his two-year deal. That was nearly 70 million dollars at the beginning of free agency, thinking he was going to get traded because that's what Daryl Morey promised to him. Um, and the specific team he wanted to go to was the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, it's been two months later, nearly two months later, and that has not happened. And, you know, Darren Moody has stated a few times since then that he's not trading Harden because he tried to ship him to the Clippers. That deal fell through, so he's going to keep him. And he expects them to report to training camp. And James Harden went to China in August of this month, called Moody a liar while he was a part of an Adidas marketing campaign, which seemed very calculated considering the history between Moody and China. Um, that forced the league to fine him $100,000 because, according to the new CBA, Clem, you can no longer say public trade demands anymore without getting fined. So, with that being stated, my question for you is, do you expect Harden to be a sixer, my man, opening night? And if he is, does he have a choice to play or not to play out the situation professionally until at least the trade deadline? Yeah, man, I've gone back and forth about this situation a couple times. Um, long story short, I think this is how it's going to play out. I think Harden is a veteran of this. We know he's the trade demand go. All right. Um, the thing that really tripped me up was the CBA clause, like if he skips out on uh, the 76ers camp. Now, Harden is too smart to just skip. So he's going to show up, all right? That's where it's going to get interesting because we know he's going to dog it and not, like, go full effort as he should, which I think is going to piss off and be, even though I believe that him and Embiid are on good terms, I think they talk and he's like, hey, you know, I'm about my money. You know how it is. It's a business, blah, blah, blah. So... You know, it is what it is. I'm just trying to get traded. It's not me versus more. 
I'm sure Embiid is sitting back. All right, cool. It is what it is. But once you're in my training camp and it's my team and you're, you know, half half asking it, um, that's when it's going to get real tricky. And Nick Nurse is not one to hold his tongue either. So he's definitely going to push back on what's going on. So ultimately, I think Harden's going to get to camp. He's going to half-ass it, and I think he's going to end up coming up with some kind of injury, you know, hamstring, whatever the case may be, to say, hey, with me, like, I'm not just skipping camp, I'm actually hurt. Or I think he's going to pull the mental health card the same way Ben Simmons did. Like, I think he's going to pull out every single stop he can to make sure he keeps his money and ultimately gets traded. And I think Maury's response is going to be, Let's let it play out. And I think Philly will probably be just as good, similar to when Ben Simmons is out, um, will be just as good with Harden as they were without him. So I think it's going to against the trade deadline when other teams are, like, kind of, you know, starting the season and starting to see, like, it's going in the wrong direction. Somebody gets hurt. Um, A team, you know, they were depending on a a young player to – develop he's not developing um what i would keep my eyes on is minnesota and uh, colin from the towns i think that it's a bad move because of (laughs) because cats are big as well um but that's one thing i'd keep my eye on i would also keep my eye on damian lillard and um, what's going on there i i i don't think there's a perfect move either way but Ultimately, I think Harden gets traded before the deadline, um, but the Sixers are going to be fine with him being out, but it's just going to be a lot of drama and storylines with him and Daryl Morey. Absolutely, um, and I, I'm going to agree with you. I think this plays out until like right at the precipice of the deadline, and then he'll be moved. Um, I will say this, though, about him potentially faking an injury or saying he's going through, you know, trying times mentally because he's not being traded I, I just don't I think he's at a tough point in his career where and I was kind of talking about this with Ace um there's a chance if he plays this wrong he could get mellowed out the league because he's in his mid-30s he's no longer what he used to be and like you said he's the trade demand goat which on the business side owners can say he's a malcontent and so it's like okay if you don't get your way you're going to buck the system and want out. And now you want max dollars and you're no longer what you used to be. Mm-hmm. Not not even in Houston. You're not what you were kind of in Brooklyn before you got injured early on. So I think with Harden, he's going to have to unfortunately stop being unprofessional from here on out and just professionalize it out to kind of get what he wants, which means he's going to have to come into Philly and at least play to the level he was last year, which he was a 2010 guy. If he can play to that level, at least up until the deadline, I think he'll be able to get moved to where he wants to go to, which will impact what he truly wants, which is his bag. Now, I think the days of him making north of $100 million in an entire contract, I think that's over. I think he's a three-year, $90 million guy maximum because, you know, you're not Draymond, you're not Kyrie. These are two guys I put into my notes. I don't think he's the talent that Kyrie Irving is anymore. As much as Kyrie's part-time, Kyrie can still get busy with the Rock, and he can give you north of 25 points a game. 
Harden can't do that anymore. He's become more of a distributor at this point in his career, which good news for him. He was always a point guard oriented type player. Like he always had that skill set within when he was younger. So he's been able to age a little bit more gracefully than uh, a Westbrook, so to speak. Yeah. And he's not Draymond Green because Draymond Green is still with the Warriors. And he still has cultural ties with them to where he could get a four-year, $100 million contract, although he's cooked and washed too. Um, Harden can't do that because in Philly, you know, he's got ties with Maury, but Maury has to answer to the owner. And the owner's like, eh, I don't want to give Harden max money because look what he did in the playoffs. Now, granted, he was, unfortunately, he was their best player in the second round of the postseason against Boston. He had the 240 burgers when they won. And he had 17, 10, and 8 in game 5 on 50% shooting. But then he sucked in the game 6 and 7. And that's kind of been the hard experience in the playoffs throughout his career. He'll show up for you in at least a series. But as the playoffs extends and his team moves on, he just doesn't deliver consistently when it matters. Now, you say... You disagree. I, I can't say Embiid was the best player because he was hurt. So and it, it affected his play. So you needed player. somebody to step up right in the postseason. And that was Harden. It's just he stepped up sometimes. And you needed him to step up. Well, honestly, you know, Harden in my eyes did his job. Like he's hard. He gave you two games. So you expect the league MVP <laughs> to give you two, like give you two more, and then you win yeah. the series. That's fair. And, that's fair. And Joel that's couldn't fair. do that because Joel was hurt, and that's been the story of his career. As the playoffs extends for Joel Embiid, he breaks down. So it's it's just tough all over. I feel Harden because he's probably looking at it like, well, well, dang, Draymond got a bag. I'm better than Draymond. You are, but you don't have the connects in yeah. a relationship that Draymond has with his team that you have a feel you're cool with Maury and Maury did probably promise you like take a little hey cut I got you on the back end but you're really only gonna get it on the back end if the Sixers unfortunately Clem if they made it to the finals and Harden was balling I think he gets paid they they don't oh, they yeah. don't make it to the, they don't make it to the east finals so they're up three two and so all right you got Doc fired and thinking all right I'm gonna get the coach out here I'm gonna get what I want and then you don't get anything. And so now it's just a waste, waste of time. Now, how do I think this affects Philly? I think the way their team's constructed, if Tyrese Maxey's able to take the next step next year, I don't think losing Harden or Harden beating, being unprofessional or half-assed, I don't think that will affect them. But if Maxey isn't taking that um, Jamal Murray-type leap where, okay, I can rely on you as a second-option scorer, they're going to miss Harden that season. And, you know, James also has to be prepared, Clint. And then I'll flip it back to you. He's got to be prepared. That there's a chance that he might not get traded at all this season. Like, he's just going to have to finish it out in Philly. And if he's not acknowledging that reality at all, it's getting bad because what's going to probably happen is he's not going to finish the season to his caliber. He's not going to show up in shape fully. He's not going to stay in shape fully, and he's going to mess around and not be what he's capable of. And that's going to affect your tape in free agency because you'll be a free agent next year. And guys are going to remember, well, in Philly, when you didn't get your way, you suck. And there's no way I'm investing multi-years on your deal beyond where you are. So, I mean, that's what it is with Harden, bro. But your thoughts on, on all that? 
Yeah. Um, starting with the the Draymond Green and um, first of all, I don't think he's washed. Um, he's declining, but he's not washed. Um, he, here's what, and we talked about this in the chat a bit. Guys don't get paid necessarily what they're worth per se. Like, if you're looking deal between what Draymond got and what uh, James Harden got, or even what Dylan Brooks or Fred Van Fleet got versus what um, Harden wants and deserves. You get paid per your market and how um, how replaceable are you? The thing with, with um, Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Fleet, the reason why they got the money that they got is because they're integral to what Ime Udoka is trying to do in Houston. He needs a culture to be one of the most um, classy uh, leaders. He's won a championship um, outside of the whole situation with that ref last year. Like, Fred Fleet has never been a guy who anyone has, like, said, oh, this isn't someone I want leading my team. He was kind of like in a, I guess in a lesser way because he wasn't as good, like a Jalen Brunson before Jalen Brunson, right? Um, he's just like a stand-up guy. That's who you want to lead your culture, even if it's for just a year or two while Amen Thompson and Jalen Green will ultimately be, and then he can come off the bench or you can ship him out, whatever. His job for those three years is to do that. That's not something Hardy can do. Going to Dylan Brooks, similar situation, along with the culture as far as being a stand-up person, learning how to win, learning how to be professional, they want to instill defense, right? Jabari Smith has proven to be a good defender inside and out early in his career. Jalen Green, not so much. So you're going to need someone who's going to come in and rough up your team's best player and best prospect early on. Respect not only in the league, but I'm sure Emei's going to back him when he roughs up Jalen. And Jalen's like, yo, coach, like, what's up? He's like, deal with it. You know, so he's going to toughen not only Jalen up, but Tar Eason, Jabari, Shangun, all of those guys. So, once again, that's something Hard is not able to do and not willing to do as well. Same situation with Draymond Green. And Draymond Green, even though he can't average 20 and 10 on any team in the league, what he offers to the Warriors, not only in his age, but the way he plays offense and the chemistry he has with Clay and Steph and um, and Kerr, like that's that's more important to the Warriors than what Harden brings to the 76ers. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, Harden's better than all of them. But the money he's asking for and what he's able to contribute to a team and the lead today is not worth what he wants. And that's the problem. Um, ultimately, like I said, I think I think he's gonna dog it. See, it's like this every every day I listen to like these different podcasts, um, and I keep learning more and more about the CBA. And I really cannot wait to see what kind of little underwriting that we miss that's gonna happen. And it's gonna be, oh, James Harden is getting fined this extra money for 
not showing up to therapy because he said he had mental health problems. And then the, the therapist offered to do this and he, he's not, you know, being compliant and blah, 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 blah. So like, I think there's a bunch of underwriting that we don't even know is going to come into fruition in real time once this starts to play out. But I mean, I hate to see it happen like this because the guy's made so much money over his career. Like, I would love to see him just go somewhere and compete and win. But I think he's at the point where he's like, look, I've made my money. I don't want to, you know, be on a team and be like the third fiddle on the championship team. Like, I, I can't do it as one of the guys. So it's time to just get my money and ride off into the sunset. So it's going to be sad in into his career, man, unfortunately. Unfortunately, indeed. I want to piggyback on a statement you said about, uh, you know, value and connections. And I think in the NBA, because we kind of talked about it, uh, NBA has a lot more, how do I put it, intricate ways to kind of allow certain people to stay in the league longer than they probably should if you provide some type of value. In comparison to the NFL, where it's like, unless you're a quarterback, and even then, it's like, look, your value is based upon your ability. So if you could continue to play at mm -hmm. your prime level, we got you. If you can't, we'll move on. I mean, the Colts did it to Peyton Manning early 2010s, and he's a Hall of Fame first ballot. So with the Harden situation, you're right. I mean, look, um, Draymond has connects in Golden State, and he does have a skill set that is supremely valuable with the Warriors because he can play small ball five both ways as a distributor offensively and a versatile defender on the other side of the ball. So he can still do that. Now, he may not be able to do it how he once could, but it's still valuable in itself because, number one, Steph Curry's on the team, and number two, uh, they don't have no type of center coming into the year, so they're really going to need Draymond to kind of <laughs> play up to that point or attempt to. Houston, a little bit of it was you need some vets. A little bit of it was desperation because they had to spend money. And the new CBA – with, with these teams that have these this cap space, it's kind of like no longer can you just hold on a cap space um, for years down the line. It's like you have this cap space for the season. You have to use it. So Houston's like, okay, we're going to overpay for a Van Vliet. We're going to overpay for a Dylan Brooks. But Van Vliet gives them that calming point guard presence that you just don't have for that young team that they need. Also can mentor uh, Amin Thompson. Um, and then – with Dylan Brooks, defensive identity on the perimeter that they kind of don't have outside of Tyree Gason and Jabari Smith. And he could possibly give that edge to Jalen Green that he doesn't have. So, I mean, these are guys that veteran leadership and they have a skill set that Houston values. With Harden, he's not bringing that veteran leadership. He has a playmaking skill set that's phenomenal at the league guard position. But here's the downside, though. You might like that and have a value on that, but your value doesn't align with his. His value is max money. You're probably like, eh, you could get at least Bruce Brown money to like Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I mean, that's that's your window. And I think Harden's gonna always regret. And we and I kind of talked about this to you because you said, I mean, Harden had like two max deals, and he did. He had two max deals, but he wanted a third. And what he'll regret is. When he wanted out of Houston, Houston said, look, dog, take this two-year extension to stay, and he didn't want to do that. Now, he could have did the Bradley Beal. You can't do the Bradley Beal no more because of the new CBA. I, I don't think so, where 
you sign a max deal, and then that next season you want out, I think they're going to abolish that. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But he could have did that, which is Houston gives you the extension. You sign it and play the first 25 games. If they're still mid, then be like, I want out. Then you could go to Brooklyn. Uh, highly paid. You don't have to worry about, I got to I gotta make that up, make that back. So he goes to Brooklyn. They offered to extend him. I think he could have been a $200 million man. He didn't want to do the extension because he was thinking, if I sign the extension, I got to stay with Kyrie and, and KD. And I, I mess with KD, but Kyrie, he's on his, his other stuff. And I don't want to play with him no more. So you don't sign that, and you go to Philly where they are saying, Clint, that's where he always wanted to be and because you're with your man, Daryl Morley. And Morley's telling you, yo, I got you. Just I'm going to take a little bit off the top. I got you on the back end. And he doesn't have you on the back end. So all I took from this is fit for yourself, bro, because there's no guarantee. When there's a window, take it. And he should assign the rocket extension or the Nets extension and then just force his way to go where he wants. Because guess what Bradley Beal did? Just that. I told you guys last year, Beal is going to sign that money. He signed the money. Then he starts saying, I can't win here. Oh, my gosh. I'm a I'm a loser. I want to get rings. I'm like, all right. And then the kicker, he had the no trade clause. So he could dictate where he wanted to go. Yeah. So he goes to the Suns with max money on his books. So now he could play for a winner with the bread from the previous regime that was going nowhere fast. That's what Harden could have did. He didn't do that because he was caught up on where can I go to be happy? And now it's trying to make up for it by saying, where can I go to get the bread? It's too late, bro. You're not what you used to get. And I was paying for it. So yeah. Let me let me ask this. Where where do I know I listed like because there's no perfect fit as far as like even the the teams that may be a perfect fit on the court may not be a perfect fit uh financially. Um and then even if it's a fit financially, it might not be a fit culturally or chemistry wise. Um, like as far as age and things like that, where if you had to, if we woke up, let's say we jump in the teleportation machine, traded, and they're like, guess where he went? What, what team do you think that would be? Well, according to the athletic, he wanted to go to the Suns first. This was before Beal got traded there, <laughs> but you know it didn't work out. Suns pivoted to Beal, and now we know he wants to go to the Clippers. I think the perfect fit for him, basketball wise and money wise, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the Suns. I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the Clippers. I think it's probably. Uh, I'm trying to think of a spot where he can get the bag. I'm also and thinking the Lakers. Sense. He was thinking the Lakers, Lakers. Are, are cheap, but I think they're trying to hold out hope. For Kyrie, depending on how this season goes, True. that's why I think they didn't sign Reeves and and um, Reeves to a bigger contract, and then um, right. D'Angelo to like a longer extension. So I think that's like the sneaky because LeBron thinks he can, you know, get everybody to play team or right. in the basketball, and I can definitely see if they get off to a bad start. Anthony Davis is hurt. Like LeBron's like, look. This is my last chance to compete, and Harden is a old All Star. <laughs> All right, I I just I, the issue with the Lakers is Austin Reeves is emerging, and so now since he's emerging into that secondary playmaker, it's kind of like okay, adding Harden 
you kind of have the same type of guy. Wouldn't have thought about saying this about yeah. Austin Reeves a couple years ago, but he's immersed to the point where adding a Harden with a Reeves is redundant. And I don't think they're getting rid of Gabe Vincent either. So yeah. that's that's a little bit of redundancy. I think it's <sighs> I'm be honest. I don't see the money. Like I, I I'm just I'm gonna say you're not getting the money. Basketball wise, yeah. Boston. Because they need a point on that team, he could literally serve serve it up for Tatum. Brown and Porzingis, who has his own injury issues to the point where now I don't know who's winning the East Club. That's another topic for another day. But on that team, he could mm-hmm. kind of be the de facto third option, um, second stage of his career point type guard, and it would be successful. You know, it it would be a little different. I mean, instead of like you feeding the big with B, you're now feeding the wings. But I think on that team, he won't have to be forced to. Like his playoff shortcomings won't be much of an issue because he's a third option, and his job would just be setting up the higher caliber offensive players on the team to be successful. And so I think Boston, in my eyes, is probably the best fit. Um, I think I can't say Miami because of the culture. Like they're gonna like. I was gonna say, what about Miami? They're gonna be on his ass, and and he's just gonna yeah. he's not gonna respond to that well, bro. He's not. Clippers. It's weird because they got Westbrook, so and they brought him back. So it's yeah. like even if you bring Westbrook off the bench, there's just no way I see in the closing five lineup that they have. You're gonna eventually, you're gonna, they're gonna probably want to play Westbrook and Harden on the floor together. And the problem is Harden isn't what he used to be as a scorer in his younger years, to where he can play off ball too. He's never been a really great off ball player anyway, but his best years of off ball was in his younger years with the Thunder. And he's not that anymore. So I say Boston. Boston is not interested. So I mean that's that's unfortunate. But I, I just that's why I think he's a, he's in danger, Clem, of being a mellow. Because like mellow towards the end of his career, there was just no fit for him. And he didn't want to accept yeah. that he that he wasn't what he used to be, which is why he never wanted to come off the bench. I know Harden's at that point now, because if you're out here saying you deserve max money, you're basically saying I'm still that guy. You're really not. You're a clearly the past two years. You're a second option on a non-championship team. And if you're out here saying I want to win a ring, then to me that means you're gonna have to be a third option on a championship contender. And I, I just, I I don't you know that's out there. But when you're a third option on a championship contender that's older, you're not gonna get max money. Just not. So. That's just the reality. Yeah. Poor Harden. Yeah, poor, Actually, no, poor Harden. Not poor Harden. <laughs> he got too many things. Poor Harden. Yeah, he, he's going to be all right. Uh, I just, you know, look, it's going to affect him in the all-time conversation talks. I mean, he's, he's, he's a phenomenal player. But, uh, you know, the delusion. Now I see why he struggles on the court bro. like he's he's deluded he thinks yeah. he's better than what he really is yeah and that's that's unfortunate um moving on to another individual who's better than Harden, but has his own free agency dilemmas <laughs> in, in the next couple of years Giannis Antetokounmpo alluding to a future beyond the Milwaukee Bucks now Clem the Greek fleet had an interview with the New York Times this Thursday saying that he doesn't plan to sign an extension that he's up for next month when he's eligible, until he's comfortable knowing the Bucks can compete for a title. 
He further stated it doesn't make sense number-wise and that the organization would have to prove to him that their championship aspirations are legit before he signs an extension next year. Now, he's in the third year of his five-year massive extension. That's over $220 million. He has a player option the year after, well, next season, 2024-2025. Um, considering, Quim, that the Bucks have regressed the last two years since winning the 2021 title, and then when Giannis is a free agent, he'll be 30, but Middleton will be 33. He's already coming off of an injury. Lopez will be 36. Um, do you see him being a Milwaukee Buck at the midway point of this decade? Yes or no? I do. I think okay. Giannis is going to be a lifer for Milwaukee. Um, I think this is more of a a leverage for long term. He's trying to apply uh, pressure to management to make sure they don't get lazy, um, which tends to happen in small markets like. They don't usually win championships, so when they get one, they're like, all right, well, we got our ring, and, you know, we'll just coach the rest of the time, and if we don't win anymore, then it is what it is. Um, championship mentality, he already does it on the court, and he's trying to push it to the front office, which a championship mentality for a front office is spending some money. Um, I think a prime example of that is if you look over at his um, – let me say, I don't want to say cross-town rival, but the the other best player in the league, um, I still think Giannis should be in the conversation. Some people think it's defending the Jokic, which is fine. Um, Denver has threes under max contracts, you know? So they paid Michael Porter Jr., they paid Nikola, they paid Jamal, and they paid them prematurely. It wasn't even until um, – it wasn't like, oh, we got to win a championship. Michael Porter Jr. was having back issues. We didn't even see a full season of him. Um, they paid prematurely because they know that Jokic was showing strides already. Um, obviously, Jamal went down with a knee injury, but prior to that, he did have like some pretty big playoff runs, especially against um, – and also played pretty well against the Clippers and um, the Lakers in the conference finals. So you look at that and you say, okay, well, Jokic just won a championship. Everyone's like, oh, Jokic is better than me now. It's Jokic's league. And he looks around and he's like, okay, love Drew. He helped us win a championship, but he's 34. He just came out and said that he's about to retire after the, uh, his contract's up in a couple of years. Look at Chris Middleton. Like, He's been declining the last couple of years, and it's not even so much his play, but he just can't. So, I mean, and then Lopez, who has uh, had a great defensive season, one of, I think his, arguably his best defensive season of his career, um, and he's done a fabulous job just changing the trajectory of his um, post-prime um, after leaving the Nets. Because I remember a time when he was on the Lakers, and it was looking like he it was, was going to be out the league in a few years. Yeah. Uh, right, <laughs> but he he put in his work. He started. To, he became a stretch big, and then added a defensive component as well. So he's really um, showed strides. But like you said, mid thirties, you know, like early mid thirties. So you look at look at the guys who are surrounding him. Like they're all part of draft class from <laughs> you know oh nine oh ten oh eleven oh twelve that range. Like that's 
they've been in the league, you know, north of 10 years now. Like, their time is, is running out. So, for Giannis, like, he's looking around like, look, who's the next guy? Like, I don't even think they need, like, a guy right now who's, like, potentially an all-star. But, like, even a Tyrese Maxey level guy, he has someone else on his side, like, that's young and, and, and showing potential. I foolishly thought Jordan Warren was going to be that guy. I saw a little bit of some glimpses here. I was proven wrong. Didn't work out. He loves to shoot. Doesn't play very much defense. Um, and then Bochamp, I think he had a he had a pretty good summer. I saw some highlights. He scored like what, 61 in, a, in one of those games. I saw some athletic finishes. So I'm hoping he can be that guy. But some of it, I guess, is under Bud because I heard that Bud didn't particularly like each other, and Bud's kind of like an old school guy, and he doesn't like playing the younger guys. So I can see where that was an issue. So maybe um, Adrian Griffin's going to be a more relaxed and willing to play. Bochamp, who is more of a two way guy, but there's nobody on the roster right now that you can look at and say, hey, this is a guy that's going to be building with Giannis in the next couple of years. And that's the problem. When you have a generational talent like that, you either need to have people his age with him, or you need to have an older squad to help him when he's young. And then when he starts turning into the veteran, have younger guys who he can help mature and bring to that all-star status. And I think that's the issue now. And He's looking at it two years ahead saying, hey, I've delivered the championship, you know, but in order for this to continue to happen, I need to be able to compete for championships every year. And as humble as Timmy was, Timmy had Tony and and, and Manu by his side throughout that ride to decline. Kawhi Leonard came into the picture, and that's how they ultimately got that fifth championship ring. So looking at it from Giannis' point, I think this is a big, like, look, we need to figure this out now before you know two years comes and i think if they don't if they're trying to be cheap if they're not trying to get out on the market and figure something out or draft better or develop their guys better or give guys enough opportunities before they move off of them then i i can see him going somewhere but for now i think this is just a forewarning and i think ultimately will figure it out because they love Giannis, and Giannis is a loyal guy um so I just think this is like a forewarning for them. Um, lastly, before I pass it back off to you, it did scare me, though, that one of the part owners, like, sold his stake already, but read a little bit into it. And, and owners kind of do this here and there. Like, Milwaukee doesn't have a historic um, history of, like, winning championships. So obviously the way they've been trending is kind of like, all right, sell high. You know, like, even if they continue to, you know, I don't think the stock is going to get much higher than what it's been the last couple of years. So I'll pass it to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great points. And my stance on it is uh, if money isn't the deciding factor, because I think by the time he's up for a new deal, he'll probably get a $330 million contract with the Bucks. Like they can offer him the most money because they have his bird rights. If that's not a deciding factor, and I don't think it is because I think Giannis is chasing LeBron, you know, so I don't think he's going to be there. 
Um, and you kind of hit it right on the nail. Milwaukee has not drafted well since Giannis has been ascending. Really, if you want to start in 20, you want his first MVP in 20, what, like 19 or 20 ish? 2019. Yeah, t- 2019, right. So they've missed on a lot of guys. Um, and I wrote I wrote kind of an article about this when I was freelancing on this um website writing about the Bucks. Um, they had chances to draft Robert Williams, John Collins. They even drafted Kevin Porter Jr. and then traded him for John Lure, who's no longer in the league. Like they had chances to get guys that I'm not gonna lie, Kevin Porter Jr., Robert Williams, John Collins, they're not all-stars but they're solid nba players we're just imagining them around Giannis or coming off the bench with the Giannis middleton and drew holiday and brooke lopez that's a lot much more of a formidable team with a brighter trajectory down the line to where Giannis at 30 can feel like eh, that's a nice supporting class i can kind of work with and compete for a ring um they just haven't drafted well recently and i think that's going to be the deciding factor in Giannis kind of moving on because you've invested all of this capital in trying to win now. So you invest in a Drew Holiday. All right. You invest in a Brooke Lopez. Um, Chris Middleton was always a few years older than Giannis because he was drafted a little bit earlier last decade. So I'm not going to really hold Middleton being older against them. I mean, it is what it is. But you invest in a Holiday and a Lopez and you did get a championship, but that's it. Like, I don't, I don't really think you're going to get all-star caliber years from all of these guys on one accord ever again if you win a championship now they did get Bochamp who did in my eyes look a lot better in summer league and I think he will be a factor in the rotation they reach for an Andre Jackson who when I watch him play I'm like okay giving me Draymond Green vibes to where he can impact the game in a multitude of ways but that's not enough guys in my eyes in the next few years for me to feel like Giannis will stay and because I think Giannis is chasing a ring he's not going to be there in the next two years I I even think if they win another championship which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility it could win a title next year I think that could give him even more incentive to feel like okay I've won two here and my second one was when I cast the guys that are on their downside let me find somewhere else on a team that's on the rise to where I could come in at least at the start of the back of my prime and try to get me a couple more rings. So where when my career is over, I got three or four. And these are the teams, Clem, I put out here that I think are interesting <laughs> landing spots for Giannis. Now, I'm going to say he did name drop my- the Bulls. Now, the Bulls do not take that serious because uh, the Rosen's kind of declining. Zach Levine's cool. Uh, the only reasoning behind him saying the Bulls is from what I've seen from people talking about online is, well, he might pick the Bulls because they're really close to Milwaukee and maybe he doesn't want to uproot his family. So just go really across the river to, to the Bulls where family can still be in Milwaukee. You play in Chicago. They can kind of build a team around you. Blah, 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 blah. But I'm like the Bulls mean, eh, Bulls are kind of mid with Giannis. They will be contenders, but is that better than what, you were already in contention with the Milwaukee the past few years. I don't think so, personally. Um, especially with Lonzo like out for a while. Um, so these are teams I had. So I had the Lakers, the Raptors, of course, the Spurs, the Heat, and the Grizzlies. Now, 
I put all these teams because I think Giannis is going to prioritize two things. He's going to prioritize players he wants to play with and then a culture that's family-oriented because I think he's he loves the Milwaukee Bucks organization in terms of how they took him in, made them one of his made him one of their own, and have really provided a sanctuary for not just him on and off the floor, but for his family as well. So he's gonna want that to continue. Uh, which is why I put the Spurs, the Raptors, and the Grizzlies, and not the Grizzlies, the Heat in that conversation. You could kind of put the Lakers in there because the Lakers they treat their guys well if you win. So, I mean, you have to win first to get the love. But <laughs> I know Miami's Miami's going to take care of him. The Spurs are going to take care of a guy. Like, look how they're treating Wendy. They would give Giannis the same type mm. of treatment. And the Raptors, because his relationship with Masai Ujiri, I think that matters. If Ujiri's still there in a couple years, which is no guarantee because he's been messing up in Toronto, another time for another day. If he's still there for the next couple years, that's a possibility. Now, I put the Lakers and the Grizzlies because of this, the Lakers are going to have the cap space in two years. Because according to sources, AD, Rui, Reeves, those are the only three people that are going to be under contract. So they'll have the space to add another max guy to their team. And, you know, Giannis's wife used to be a Laker fan. It's Hollywood. Giannis has shown the past couple of years he liked being seen. And they could kind of swoon with the, yo, you come here, man. Greek freak hits Hollywood. We'll give you movies. We'll be on more commercials. We'll fatten that bank account. We'll help. We'll help make you a billionaire, just like we help LeBron become a billionaire. They could. They could get him with that. You know, not really basketball stuff, but they could get him with that. And he could be like, "I want that." <laughs> I put the Grizzlies because he likes John Moran. So he liked him so much. We were the All Star game, but he was picking. He was like, I'm a big job. And it was like, bro, Ja's off the bench, bro. Like, he's not starting. So, I he likes to <laughs> And I think what he'll be prioritizing is, yo, can I play with guys that I like from afar who I feel like can maximize my chances of getting a ring and or the culture? Now, Spurs put them up there because I think in a couple years, if Wimby's that dude, which Giannis thinks he can be, he was fawning over him before he even hit hit the hardwood in the States. If Wimby becomes that guy in a couple years on a rookie deal and Pop's still there, Pop can just come to Giannis like, yo, you and Wimby, bro. Next three years, it could be like David Robinson and Duncan, but I mean, y'all both like right there still kind of in y'all primes. Spurs are a dark horse. They have the international flair as well. Um, They do treat their stars well. So that's a sanctuary to where it's kind of Milwaukee-esque for Giannis. Where at the same breath, you're with another guy that's way younger than you that you can groom and help push to be the best that he can be while contending for a title. And then I put Miami because I think Giannis is a Miami Heat culture guy. Um, Jimmy Butler would be on the way out. The Heat would probably be like, yo, you could be our Jimmy. You and Bam could work together. You know, We could build around you guys uh, if they get a dame. Dame in a couple of years can be that fading third star. I mean, y'all guys can come together and help us get a chip. So, I look, I think Giannis will opt out and be a free agent in 2025. He will. And when that happens, everybody's going to be clearing cap space for him, even the trash teams. Everybody's going to do it. I think it's just going to come down to what he values the most in order. Because he wants to win. So obviously he's going to pick an environment to where he feels like he can win. 
But in the same breath, he wants comfortability as well because he would have just be leaving an organization in Milwaukee that treated him like family and was his first home. And he wants that to continue in his career while pursuing a title. So those are my little teams. I think ideally if he's not with Milwaukee, I wouldn't be shocked if he is a Spur, Laker, Heat. Like I think one of those three teams wouldn't surprise me. Um, Dark Horses would be uh, the Grizzlies and the Raptors. And I'm they will be Dark Horses because the Raptors are related to Ujiri and the Grizzlies because he likes playing with Morant. So, but yeah, I mean, those are the teams I feel like will most realistic and they're going to be probably pursuing it. And so, can't wait to see what happens. No, great points, great points. Um, okay. Let me just start by reading because we were talking about the draft class, and I had to look it up really quick. And okay, first, let me ask a bit of trivia here. I want you to guess the last, um, the last guy that they drafted that made an All Star team outside of Giannis. I'll give you a hint. From 1998, there's been three. Wow, been three. Uh, I mean, Michael. That Redd. was a little bit hard. Let me let me give you another hit. Okay, okay, that's one. He was 2000. Right. Uh, that they drafted and made an all star team on their team. Like, okay, so Michael Red is one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who's the second? Uh. Yeah, this is hard. He's a center. Uh, I'll give you a hint. He's a center. Okay. Okay. Um. Oh wait, is it uh? Two thousand five draft class. Two thousand five draft class. A center. Dang, it's not Bogut because Bogut was not 05. It is Bogut. Oh, it is Bogut. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Bogut. Okay, so that's two. Two for two. Uh, There's one more. Okay, red Bogut from nineteen ninety eight. 1998. This is this is a bit of a trick question. Okay, was it um was it was it Glenn Big Dog Robinson? No, but good guess. Good guess. Okay, 98. Uh Ray Allen. No, it wasn't Ray nope. Allen. Dang. 98. Another good guess. Man, um I'll give you a hint. He's a generational talent. He's the he's the best player to play for another organization. So drafted by them, best player to play for another organization. So, but he was drafted by the Bucks in '98. Wow. Yes. Okay. By the Bucks in '98. Um, Ninth pick, to be exact. Okay, you said not. You said who? The ninth pick. Ninth pick. Man, it's not Ray Allen. Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't I'm a, I'll, Dirk Nowitzki. They drafted Dirk. Wow. Yeah, that surprised me too. That's that. a bit of a trick question because, like, you would have never guessed that. I, I thought right. I got drafted by the um, Mavericks. The Mavs. But yeah, like, I'll just read off the last, um, the last 
uh, what, 10 years since since Giannis. So, obviously, Marjan Bojaya, Todd, yeah. RJ Hampton, yeah. Jordan Wall, who we talked about, Kevin Porter Jr., Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Tendarius Thornwell. Don Maker was supposed to be the one. He was supposed so, to be the one. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't pan out, but that was that was the guy who was supposed to rival Giannis. Um, Patrick McCall, Malcolm Brogdon, another one who was supposed to pan out. I think they should have paid, but they yeah they paid they pay, let him go yeah um, up to par, right? Um, Rashad Vaughn, shout out to uh, Shadi. He's from the, um, Norman Powell. Not really a I would say a co-star, probably like a fourth fifth guy on the championship team. Jabari Parker, obviously, we knew was yeah. supposed to be the guy as well. So there was probably, I would say, being fair, maybe three championship yeah. pieces. One didn't pan out in Thon Maker. Jabari Parker got hurt. Got hurt. And then yeah. they didn't pay Malcolm Brogdon. They did. So you think so. about it then, like all of those guys would have been younger than Giannis. So they would have had the nucleus that yeah. they needed. Um, even before then, like, I mean, to rattle off a few, I think Brandon Jennings was the only other guy close to making an all-star team. He was drafted in 2009. And before that, like I said, Andrew Bogut was the last guy um, before Giannis to make an all-star team for them. So long story short, they have not been great at drafting. Um, they have. I think a sneaky move that they should do is probably get somebody from the Spurs or – the uh, Miami organization to help with that. Let's talk about the teams that I think that he beat up to. I think he made a great list, the Lakers. Um, I think, obviously, I told you in the past, I think Jason Tatum is going to go to the Lakers. I don't think that's going to happen, um, but especially with Brown coming back, I don't I, I think, think that will. Yeah. I think it's going to happen, and I think that's going to be the deciding factor. I think if Jason Tatum goes, Giannis will go. But I don't mm. think he's gonna go alone, even with Anthony Davis being the defensive player we know he is. But in a couple of years, with our with all the miles he's gonna add on to carry, um, I don't see Giannis wanting to invest in that. Um, so that's a no show for me. Um, Miami love the Heat culture, but I think number one on his list is winning championships because he knows that he's already built the resume of a top 15 player ever. Sure. And the only way he can uh, ascend from the top 15 into the top 10 and possibly the top five right. is to win more championships. That's, that's, that's it. It hasn't really done yet. Um, so the easiest way to do that is to go to an organization that has another star that can help carry the load. And Giannis, Gratefully, has been pretty healthy throughout his career, but we know the way he plays is more rough and rugged, and he doesn't seem like he's going to be one of the guys who age as well and doesn't have as good as like fundamentals and footwork and things like that to help age his career gracefully. So I think it'll be very incumbent for him to have another star. By so I don't think Miami, even I would love to see that, Nigerian combination down there with with uh, Adebayo and uh, Giannis. However, I don't think Tyler Hero is a long um, um, a long, long term long term piece for them. 
Um, and him and Bam is just not going to cut it. Um, so there's a note there. Spurs, I don't think he'll be a fit with Wemby because Wemby wants to play the four. And Giannis doesn't want to play the five. So, right. and then even with the, the, the culture stuff, like a five-year deal. But, I mean, I don't see him staying the whole five years. I feel like he's going to test out Wemby, see what he's going to be, try to prep him for the next guy. And then eventually he's gonna be like, look, I'm, I've done all I can do. Like I'm, you know, I'm done here. Um, and I think, unfortunately, once he leaves, the Spurs organization will take a hit culture-wise. They won't have as much pull. Uh, I don't think it'll die, but I think it would. There will be a decrease. Um, Grizzlies, God just hasn't proven to be reliable. Healthy, um, and we've talked about it too. Like. I know you think I defend Ja, but um, I just don't trust him in the long term because of the way he plays. Um, yeah. And then the off-court stuff has been an issue as well. Uh, Raptors, that's a good one. Um, I just don't think that he wants to move out of the country. <laughs> like he moved from Greece, uprooted his life, moved to Milwaukee, then uprooted again to move to Toronto until he finished playing. He's not going to want to live there forever. So he's going to have to uproot again after his career. I just think that's going to be him. So that brings me to the Warriors, which I don't think is going to be the one because Curry's old. But that's old. been yeah. getting a lot of headlines. I think it's a good family-oriented uh, um, culture that's still pr- rather new. And I think even after Curry, Clay, and Dre leave, I think they're going to be – integral in the Warriors culture for like the next two, three generations or so. Yeah. Um I think a sleeper here, man. And you made a good point with the Bulls. He doesn't want to go another city that's really close to Milwaukee, Minneapolis. The Wolves. They got Anthony Edwards. They do. I think that's what it comes down to. Right. Anthony Edwards performance and inc- uh, um, increase in play the next couple of years because much like Ja, he I don't 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 quote me on what he said, but he said the most electrifying, entertaining player to watch, Ja Morant, before finding out that Ja Morant wasn't the star, just like couldn't choose him. And <laughs> is right there as far as entertaining and the personality. On top of that, he's a durable star. He's two way player. He's still young, and he's on a long deal, and he can get offered the most by Minnesota. So with them saying, hey, if Cat's, not, if Cat's still there, I think he'll be gone before then. That's something sure. you can throw Gobert away in a deal like that. But I think that would be a good place for him. It's close to Milwaukee. Ant is, is a generational talent, I think. They're probably tech duo comparisons, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I heard an interesting story about Ant um, this past weekend. Um, basically how he looked up to his older brother and how close he is. Because Ant grew up a football player. Um, John Krasinski is a writer for the, the Wolves, and he he talked about it. But Ant grew up playing football. He loved football, but his brother played basketball. Bubba, I think is his name, or how he refers to him. And they both they lost their mom and their grandma when they were 14. So he's very, very, very close. Family means a lot to him. And um, apparently, like, the Minnesota 
um, Timberwolves have really been wrapping their arms around him about, you know, whatever he needs and, and catering to him. And I think that'll be a good selling point for Giannis. And then the KG oh, connection. Like, oh, the KG, that's cute. Yeah. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a best good connection with Glenn Taylor and, and management. But I think definitely that'll be like a, a rekindle moment if if they get there. But yeah, KG got a historic power forward playing there. Young up and coming star. It's close to Milwaukee. They're trying to build this this culture. They could be like the new look Spurs, you know? Something like that. But I think that's a sleeper pick for him, but um, other than that, I don't know, maybe Miami, but we'll see. That's my take on it, though. I like it. I like it. The Wolves, man, um, you sold me on them. Uh, great. Their family-oriented organization is huge. I mean, they put, they put their arms around Cat when he lost his mom. As Anna's ascended, they've made mm -hmm. into one of their own. And, you know, you brought up KG's connection here. Glenn Taylor no longer owns the team. So um, that's an oh, aspect yeah, to where, correct. Right. So, you know, KG and Giannis are of the same cloth. I don't know if they're close, but they're tight. And so I could mm -hmm. see him and Ant making a full court press like, look, man, you could come here. You know, we're going to take care of you. And they will. And I do like what Minnesota is building. So. I like them a lot. I'd probably replace them with the Spurs, which is probably a little bit clunker of a fit. But I think the 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 crazy thing about it is Giannis is not your ordinary superstar. We don't know where he wants to go. You know, he'll he will he'll prioritize winning a ring, but he'll prioritize it in the aspect of he's gonna try to find out an area that he thinks can help him win the championship. And it may not be a big market. It may just it may be another small yeah. market where he likes what they're building and mm -hmm. he feels like I can kind of come in and we can ascend and we can go from there. So can't wait to see what that holds. Obviously he's a buck for now for the next two years. And we'll, we'll be talking about Milwaukee quite a bit as we near the NBA season, but to wrap up the pod, one more topic, man, FIBA basketball, the FIBA world cup. It's here. Um, USA went undefeated during the preliminaries, and today they beat New Zealand. New Zealand, 99-72 in group play, led by a 21-4-4 performance from second-year Magic Man Paolo Bancaro. Despite how many people claim have dawned this team as being the worst FIBA USA team in recent memory because none of these guys have national team experience, are they a lock in your eyes to at least medal during this tournament? I think they're a lock. Uh, for me, it's just a matter of where they're going to know. Um, the, the three teams that I've really been paying a lot of attention to and I think um, have a chance to pull an upset on them because I think it would be an upset if they lost, um, despite them not having, like, the household names that we're used to seeing, um, they have the most talent. <laughs> so, obviously... Um, with Shea Gibbs Alexander, he's the best player in the tournament. I outside of Luca, you can debate that. Um, but Luca's team obviously is not as potent and talented um, as Canada's team. I mean, they have literally an NBA starting five and then NBA role players coming off the bench, so they're pretty much an NBA team. Um, 
Germany, also another team with Dennis Schroeder, who, you know, he's like Evan Fournier in the international play. He plays at a whole different level. Um, you got uh, Franz Wagner, who's um, continued to show strides for the Atlanta Navy team. And then also his brother Mo Wagner has also been playing at a high level as well. And then I can't remember the guy's name with the blonde hair, but he's a pretty good rebounder. Every time I see him play, like, he's jumping all over the place, um, giving effort. And, like, those are, like, the little things that you need um, to win in feeble play, like those little hustle plays. And Franz and Mo are both like one thing that um, one thing that USA lacks is like inside plays. Like Kessler's big, but he can't stay in front of a Franz. And even Mo's not like quick on the feet by any means. But um, that's not a matchup I really want Kessler to have to deal with. Bobby Portis, I think, would be a good matchup there, but. I don't know how he fits as far as like with the the other four guys on the court. Um, so putting him at the five, um, I feel like there's a lot of rotations where it's on the perimeter and abuse him that way. Um, and then Paolo, he's your best bet, but he's not a natural big. Like he's playing the big because he's six ten and he has the physical physique for it. Um, but he's he's kind of gotten like the soft label early on um and then he's kind of one of those guys like sometimes you can forget he's on the court because he's just like a little lackadaisical um and i i I think personally like just from seeing interactions with him and franz i think franz thinks that um which i think would be very compelling to watch because i think franz would really like give him the business at least right now in their career um and then lastly, uh, I think that another team that I, I didn't, like, initially coming into the season or into the Fever World play, I was like, mm, I don't think they're that good. But I, I'm kind of, like, ashamed to say it. But, like, the French, like, French. Oh, the, sorry, not French. Uh, uh, Australia. They got Josh Green. They got yeah. uh, Dante Josh Exum. Deep. Short stint. Excellent. Mills, Giddy. Yeah. Mills. Patty, Patty Mills is another guy who, like, who rises to the occasion in these type of um, international play. Um, they have, um, and I forgot to mention Tice on the Germany team. I knew there's uh, another guy. Um, I was watching the game and I was like, damn, they got like six NBA guys. Uh, Matisse <laughs> Seibel, like. Yeah. You know, I was I was like they got some guys on their team, so I think those are like the three teams there. But ultimately, like the only team I think will actually beat them or can beat them is Canada, and that will literally it'll be like a SGA versus um, Ant showdown, which I would love to see, and I hope we get to see it. But I think they will at least get silver, if not gold. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, I think it's uh. Obviously, USA in the field, they're talented in everybody. Um, I thought coming into the tournament, this roster construction, despite not the plethora of big names, I thought this was probably the best team because I was just looking at the versatility that they have offensively and defensively, although they're undersized and also although they don't have like knockdown shooting and they have guys that can make threes, but they don't have like snipers. Um, 
I just saw like, okay, offensively, Ant Reeves, well, not really Ant because his playmaking ability isn't really there yet, but Reeves, Halliburton, and like those two can run an off, like they can run the offense with any four around them. So that's two playmakers. And and BI can get a bucket. Now BI has struggled and has been up and down, but and has at least shown you in stretches he can give you eight to ten points during a two minute stretch. He can go off. Um, and then Bankiro, who crazy story, probably know this. Bankiro, before all of this, pledged he was gonna play for Team Italy, and then he's not mm-hmm. playing for Team Italy. He's playing for Team America, and uh, you know he he's been up and down, but I thought today he played pretty well. You said he's six ten. I forgot he was six ten. Yeah, um, he is six ten. So they yeah. have him kind of playing 6'10, like, like two forty. So they have him playing like a roaming big. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you kind of need him to play that because they don't play Kessler a lot, and Jaron Jackson's their best defensive big, and he gets in foul yeah, trouble. So you know, so you gotta play Ben Curry how you can. But this team is talented. I like the versatility on both ends. They should medal. I agree. Uh, I think they should get gold. Obviously, the comp is Canada because, like you said, they have a starting five that's NBA caliber. All of those guys playing the NBA. And to make it crazier for the Olympics next year, Andrew Wiggins, Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray. Benedict Matherin, Shaden Sharp, they're not playing. Oh God. So oh if they God. add those dudes <laughs> next year, bro, man. Right? And kudos to Canada because kudos to Canada. But yeah. Kudos to Vince Carter, bro. When he came to Canada in the 90s, he a lot of those guys from Canada are like, I hoop because of Vince. Like Vince really put on mm-hmm. my family. And I was like, yo, I, I wanna wanna be like Vince in terms of representing. Well, obviously Vince isn't from Canada, but he represented Canada when he played for the Raptors. And I was like, yo, I want to represent mm-hmm. my home country by playing basketball. So kudos to them because bro, like they have talent down the pipeline. Who haven't even seen. Yeah. And so for, for it's, it's crazy for them. I, I think what's gonna hurt Canada is uh they're also undersized as well. So I think they're more undersized than USA. So I think if it comes down to crashing the glass and rim protection, that may hurt. But Shea is in my eyes, he's better than Ann Edwards. So they have, they'll probably when they play on the court, yeah. he's the best player on the floor. Uh, Dylan Brooks and R.J. Barrett, they're hot and cold, but they they give effort. And R.J. Barrett is one of those guys. He's probably a better international player than NBA players. So he can, in any game, he could have a 25-point performance, and he's playing well. So, you know, this is a team that is going to be a problem. So I like Canada. You brought up Germany. Germany has been sneaky good. Both Wagner brothers have been killing it. Mo Wagner, bro, he's another guy, probably a better international player than the NBA. Because I think one game he had 30. Schroeder, he levels his play up. Daniel Tice has been tough for them. Um, they have a bunch of tweeners, man, in the front court that can do a little bit of everything, and they're physical. And so, and they have a league guard and Schroeder that can run it. I think seeing the FIBA play, what you need in FIBA is you need a point guard and you need size. And you need your size to be mm-hmm. versatile. Damn there, you need everybody on the floor to have versatility. You could get away with being undersized like Team America has so far. They haven't lost. But as long as you – like, my thing with small ball, and they're not really small ball because Bakiro's 6'10", Jaren's 6'10", Kessler's, like, I think, 7 feet. 
They just don't have the depth. That's why we're saying they're small. The key with small ball is you got to be able to gang rebound and you got to be able to score the ball at an efficient rate. And America, they do that. And they've done that so far. So I think this is a huge moment, though, for this team, for Skur to find out who's coming with me for the Olympics next year. I think the three locks are Jaron, Ant, and Reeves. I think those are the three locks for the national team. When I say the Reeves was a lot online, a lot of guys are like, what? Reeves? But somebody also said, remember, in the last national team, they played Jeremy Grant, Keldon Johnson, and somebody else, JaVale McGee. Like, that was on the national team. So, that was in the Olympics, though. That was the Olympics. That was the Olympics. So, uh, really? yeah, that was the Olympics in Tokyo. So, they're going to have, like, not all the heavy hitters going to play. All right? I think LeBron might play. But he might not. Uh, people are penciling in Curry, but Curry hasn't played national bas- national international basketball since FIBA. So I don't know if he plays. Um, so those are already two spots that are potentially going to be open. Jaron's going to get in because they need size. They're going to try to lure AD. You know, Bam's going to be there. I think they're going to add Evan Mobley. Um, so, so Jared Allen, Jaron Jackson, they'll decide. I think Jaron Jackson, the way he's played, he's kind of, Punched his ticket to probably be a national team member. And Edwards, at worst, will be a backup shooting guard because I think Devin Booker is going to be on the national team and he's going to start. So he's going to be on there. I think Reeves is one of those role guys you need on a national team that could do a little bit of everything. He a dog, and you could put him in a rotation that makes impact plays for about a three, four-minute stretch that helps put the game away. So I think those three guys are locks. Now, Bancuro... Um, Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, they can continue to be a little bit more consistent to where when it's over, they can kind of factor themselves in. But Team USA, Clement, they're going to need the heavy hitters because Canada, they, bro, everybody's going to be in that Canada team. So I don't think America could just roll right. out there with, you know, we're just going to have about like four. You know, in Canada right now coming up the pipeline. Let me take the, the draft class the next couple of years. Bro, I'm saying check the draft class a couple years. I mean, everybody's talking about France because of Wimby, and that's cool. Canada, Canada might be the new Spain, bro. In the next five years of basketball, like it's it's that scary because they have a lot of guys in that yeah. area that can hoop. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it turns out. But I, I like USA chances. I think they're one gold. I thought the narrative on them. Early on, from Gilbert Arenas and other guys online, I thought it was extreme. I'm like, look, these dudes, they're not that trash, bro. Like, it, like their rosters pretty much predominantly all star caliber talents. These guys can play. They've been key contributors on playoff caliber teams. So I expected these guys to mesh well and show up. So hope they keep it going. Um, hope they win. But uh, if it's USA Canada, bro, for the chip for the gold. I'm trying to, I gotta see that, bro. Like, I mean, that's 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 what you want. So, that's my take there. No, I think it'll be good. I think sometimes, like this, uh, a little bit outside of pretty much the U.S., I think it kind of gives like the closest thing to college basketball a bit, um, like the March Madness tournament. And I feel like it's it's like it's always a team that you don't expect to get there. 
Um, obviously, if, if I had to make my list now, I would say U.S., Canada, um, and then probably Germany. But I can, I'm pretty sure one of those three teams are going to get knocked. And it will be like the most dramatic thing, but then it will also be like, oh, yeah, we see this happen. So I don't think it will be the U.S. I think they're strong enough to get through. But um, I can definitely see a world where um, Germany or Canada gets upset. But if we get Canada versus U.S., I'm all here for it. And I would love to see SGA versus um, versus uh, Ant. Yeah, man, I'd love to see it, too, because, uh, you know, Twitter, man, they'll probably dub that, what, face of the NBA uh, showdown, bro, because, I mean, Ant's been playing well. They want Ant to be the face. I've heard SGA, you know, they want him to be the face. Um, although I think the other top for another day, I think as we pan away from the LeBron era, I think the face of the NBA, it'll just be faces. Like, I think you just have different guys that are just doing their thing, um, to say the least. Uh, but if the league wants to pick a face, they're going to pick an American face because it's an American league. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be around this. But, um, with that being said, great to be back with my man, Clement Gibson, talking NBA hoops on NBA Intel, yeah. man. Great. Great, great to be back. Um, just want to let the viewers know, uh, we're going to try to schedule these things either Thursday or Friday because going forward, that would be my day off from work as now I work on weekends. So um, got to get ready for that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, great to talk basketball, man. We're nearing training camp. We're in the midst of FIBA play. Um, so as we get closer and closer to the preseason, we'll kind of talk about teams uh, we think could be on the rise teams we think aren't going to perform to their level championship caliber teams topics like can the nuggets repeat don't think they will um can the heat get back to the finals don't think they will but hey we'll have these discussions just in case yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows but um not for you do man your host kim Bowie, my co-host clement gibson we'll see you guys next week peace peace out